0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, man, it is great to be back with you guys today. And I wanna ask you a question as we begin our conversation today. Have you ever fallen for like one of those online scams where something was like at a really great price online and you fell for it and then you never got anything in return and you gave these people your credit card number and they took your 35 bucks or however much it was? Well, uh, that's being manipulated, but it's worse when it's in like a dating relationship. So I'm not going to have you raise your hands on this, but how many of you have been in a dating relationship where someone seemed to be really great, but you were being manipulated. It can happen in the workplace, on a job, where you get manipulated by an employer or an employee, um, and it can even happen in church. And so today, we're gonna be calling getting manipulated, having a bad hair day. How many of you uh, have had a bad hair day, right, on. we uh, We're calling it having a bad hair day, and we're gonna study the story of Samson. In the Bible, um, but before we get into the the story of Samson, it's it's real important that we understand the cultural context and the historic background of the story before we read it together and study it together. So you got to understand that in Samson's day, the world was a violent place. The Bible describes it as a world of anarchy where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And people were very, very violent during those times. If you go back in the Bible and look, you would see one lady, J.L., drove a tent peg through a guy's head, okay? There was another guy named Ehud, and he stabbed Eglon with this little knife. And Eglon was, how shall we say it? He was uh, portly. Uh, he had had way too many tacos. You know, he, he was big. And so the knife like got sucked into his gut and disappeared. I mean, this is a, a vile kind of situation. And then there was another guy named Adonai Bezek. And he had the thumbs cut off of 70 kings who would beg for food underneath his table. So you're getting a feel for... This time in history, it was very violent. It reads a lot like a Quentin Tarantino film script. I mean, it's like, you know, a police stat sheet from the West Side, you know. He says it's a violent place, right? It's a crazy place, uh, the world of Samson. And by the way, have you ever heard someone say the Bible's boring? I don't read the Bible because the Bible's boring. These are the people that have not read the Bible, okay? When you see the kinds of things that happen in this part of the Bible, um, it is uh, really fascinating to say the least. Now, the enemies of the Jewish people at this time and Samson's enemies were a people called the Philistines. And the Philistines were very violent as well. In fact, they took Samson's first wife and her father and they burned them alive. So you gotta understand, the Philistines are not the greatest people to live among. And they were the oppressive overlords of this particular day. So uh, what is going on here? Um, what is happening to the people of God? Because they're being oppressed by the Philistines. And what is God doing in the midst of this? Well, because the Philistines had become so powerful and so oppressive over his people, he wants to reel them in a little bit and get them under control. And to do that, he wants to use this guy, Samson, to do it. So he prepares Samson's home and upbringing. And look at what this angel of the Lord says to Samson's mother. Go with me to Judges chapter 13, verse five. It says, you will become, tell Samson's mother, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And look at this. And his hair must never be cut for he will be deckheaded to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And so why was God working in the life of Samson? Well, first he wanted to rescue the Jewish people from the Philistines, but look at this next verse, Judges chapter 14, verse four. It says, the Lord was at work, because by the way, how many of you know God's always at work doing something, even when you're being oppressed or struggling, but the, the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at this time. So God wanted to use Samson to disrupt these violent Philistine people, and he wanted to prepare Samson, and to prepare him, he wanted to make him a Nazarite, set apart. For God. So, who were the Nazarites? Well, they, they committed to three things. If you were a Nazarite, you couldn't cut your hair, uh, you were not supposed to drink wine, and you could not touch dead things. So, no haircuts, no wine, no touchy dead things. Okay. Now, spoiler alert, Samson screws it all up, doesn't he? We all know that, that you know, a lot of, a lot of us know the, the story there, and a lot of Bible teachers would say that Samson. Broke his vows in eight different ways. I'll show you a chart of this on screen so you can get a feel for it. I'm not gonna read all of them for the sake of time today, but uh, you, you can see on the chart that a lot of times Samson touched a lot of dead stuff and then it's quite possible that Samson drank wine, but the straw that broke the camel's back was when Samson had his bad hair day and he got a haircut. Now, let's rewind Prior to the time of Samson's bad hair day. He was given a superhuman, supernatural kind of strength to fight, to disrupt the Philistines. In fact, he had such strength that he was able to kill a lion with his bare hands. He was able to take the jawbone of a donkey and slay a thousand Philistines. And so he had this great strength while he stayed within his commitment to the Lord. But once he got outside of that, He struggled. And so with all this historical backdrop in mind, I want us now to stand together for the reading of God's word, the story of Samson's bad hair day. It's in Judges chapter 16. We'll start reading in verse four. It says, after this, he, Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1100 pieces of silver so delilah said to samson please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you now let's take a time out just for a second If someone in a relationship ever asks you the source of your strength and how you can be bound, red flag in the relationship. Anybody? Anybody? Red flag in the relationship. And so what happens from there in the story is that Samson lies to her a few times about the source of his strength. And we'll pick up the story there in verse 19. It says, she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and he said, I'll go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground the mill in the prison but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. This is the story of Samson's bad hair day. So go ahead and take a seat. And as you're being seated today, I want to show you seven ways we can avoid the manipulation that Samson experienced. And these seven. Key ideas are also ways that we can root the manipulation out of us. Because how many of you know we have a little manipulator in us sometimes. And so we want to root out manipulation in our own hearts and in the circumstances of our lives to keep from having a bad hair day. And the first idea I want to show you from this story is one that I think all of us know. And it's number one, sexual desires cloud spiritual Discernment. Did you catch that? Sexual desires cloud spiritual discernment. And so remember, the Lord of the Philistines said to Delilah, we want you to go and seduce this guy. Now, obviously, Samson had a lust problem. If you read the text, you can see he went and he got with prostitutes and all that. Well, then he sees Delilah, and the text says he fell in love with her. And I think part of us would say, hey, he also fell in lust." With her, and in his mind, like the kids say, Delilah was the whole snack, right? I mean, he thought she was all that, and then she he, he realizes that, you know, she's not just the whole snack, but she's a man eater. Like that one song says, she's a witch a woman. I mean, she's like, as Pastor Pedro says, a chupacabras, right? She will eat your soul and spit out your bones, man. This is Delilah and how she operates. And by the way, could I just say this? Um, the name Delilah, don't let this story ruined the name Delilah for you. I know a wonderful young woman in our church named Delilah, and she's a great young woman of God. And so this Delilah in the story of Samson, not so good, but there are other Delilahs that are really wonderful people. And this particular Delilah was a manipulator, and Samson's weakness of his lust was taken advantage of by Delilah to destroy his life. And look, we all know that sexual desires can cloud spiritual discernment. Uh, that's what we, that, you know, an illustration of this is Tinder, okay? Uh, have you ever, ladies, you seen a Tinder king online and he looked so nice online and he actually had a job and he turned out to, you know, manipulate your soul. Or maybe, um, you know, guys, you've seen some woman online. She was a Tinderella, man. She looked so great and so sweet and so kind, but she really was a manipulator and the relationship didn't work out. Well, think about the relationships in your life and the times where you have been manipulated or where you could be manipulated and ask yourself, what joins me to this other pe- person? Is it an authentic relationship or is it lust? See, And when our sexual desires are involved, the opportunity for deception and manipulation is always there. Now, to avoid uh, manipulation. We also have to understand number two that coin clouds connection. Coin clouds connection. Anytime there's money involved, it can cloud a person's relationship with someone else. Remember the lords of the Philistines told Delilah, said, hey, if you'll go seduce this guy, we're going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver each. And so Samson struggled with lust, but this opened him up to being manipulated by someone who's financially motivated. And some of you know this because you've been successful in business and you realize who your real friends are by the people who were your friends before you were successful, right? And then uh, you'll see who your friends are when they stick by you when you're struggling financially. How many of you have been supervisors at work and you had an employee pretend to be your friend as long as you could provide them with a job? See, because coin clouds connection. There's another side to that coin as well, is that some of you have gone to jobs and your boss pretended to be your friend as long as he or she could get something out of you. But then when you didn't work there anymore, the friendship was gone and people get hurt on this. And the reason is because of something called social contracts. Now, I learned a little bit about this from my friend in his book, Cilantro Diaries, uh, Lorenzo Gomez. Uh, long-time city triber. And one of the things that Lorenzo describes in this book is social contracts. And there's two types of social contracts. There's the social agreement, and then there's the vendor agreement. So when you enter into a relationship with someone, you have to be clear on whether it's a social agreement, which is a friendship, or if it's a vendor agreement, it's a business deal or it's work relationship. So for example... Uh, I used to own a pickup truck, and uh, those of you that have owned pickup trucks, you know that whenever your friends are changing apartments, you're gonna help them move, right? And so you help them move because you're friends. But what if your friend with a truck helps you move and then gives you a bill for helping helping you move? And you get hurt because you're like, hey, I thought we were friends. Why are you sending me a bill? But that, that's a social agreement or a friendship, Right? We help each other. But then there's the vendor agreement. So let's imagine for a minute that you own a moving company or you work for a moving company and you help move someone and then you give them a bill and then they get their feelings hurt because you gave them a bill. You said, well, I thought you were a nice person, a friend. Hey, look, they didn't understand you got to make a living, right? This is a vendor agreement agreement. And you say, well, how is it that I can clarify this? Well, the illustration here is hats, relationship hats. Let people know when you're wearing your work hat and when you're wearing your friend hat. You follow me? So for example, if you work for someone, and we, a lot of people we work with are friends, right? And you go to your boss someday and you say, hey, look, boss, I'm putting on my friend hat right now, not my employee hat. I'm putting on my friend hat, and I want you to know that if you keep overworking, you're going to destroy your emotional health and perhaps even your family. See what you're doing there? But other times you have to put on, you know, that's your friend hat. Sometimes you have to put on your work hat. So let's say you're the supervisor at work, and someone that works for you is your friend. You have to say, hey, look, I'm putting on my work hat right now. And I need you to understand that if you can't get to work on time and you can't get these tasks done, you won't bring enough value for, for us to keep you here as an employee. You see, you see the difference there? So clarify up front whether you're wearing your work hat or whether you're wearing your friend hat so that feelings don't get hurt and manipulation I'm gonna connect this back to the story here in just a minute, Um, but this was certainly at play in the story of Samson and Delilah. But let's go to number three. When someone wears you out, watch out. When someone wears you out, watch out, because manipulators often wear you out and you don't even know why you're feeling so worn down by the relationship with this person go to judges chapter 16 verse 15 it says then delilah pouted you see what she's doing there she gets her pouty face on she says how can you tell me i love you you ever had someone say well you don't love me you don't give me my way just a how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. And look at this next verse. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared a secret with her my hair's never been cut," he confessed. "For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else." You know, she—he got worn down. She wore him down as a manipulator. And look, the the Samson story is frustrating to read, isn't it? Because you're sitting there reading it, and you're like dude, why don't you get it? Like she's asking the source of your strength like three times. I mean, how dumb do you have to be? But he was self-deceived because of his lust. He didn't know what her motivation was. And Samson's not completely innocent in this thing. You know why? Because he tried to outgame the gamer. He enjoyed the game. Have you ever been in a relationship, a dating relationship with someone and it felt like a continual game? Well, it's a manipulation situation. And so don't, don't try and game with the gamer. Don't try and out manipulate a manipulator because here's what was taking place with Samson and Delilah. The text says Samson actually loved Delilah. Now, Samson had his problems, there's no doubt. Samson was a wingnut in a lot of ways. But he actually loved Delilah. But what? So so, what is that? When you love someone, you want a relationship. That's a social contract, isn't it? Remember what we talked about earlier: the social contract, vendor, vendor agreement, social agreement. He wanted a, a social agreement with her. But what he didn't know was that she wanted a vendor agreement with him. She was in the relationship for the money, and that's what manipulators do is they pretend to have one agreement when the reality is they want something else, you see? That's what Delilah did with Samson. So what's the solution? How do you deal with someone who, when you want a relationship, they just want your money or something else from you? You have to cut them out of your life. See, the Delilah spirit is a lot like the Jezebel spirit. And in Revelation chapter two, Jesus says you cannot tolerate that Jezebel. You have to, as much as is possible, cut manipulators out of your life. And here's why. Because what God knows that oftentimes we're blinded to is that manipulators over time will wear you down and wear you out and get you to have a bad hair day. You follow me? So there's this book that I read years ago called Bailing Forward by John Maxwell. And in the book, he tells the story about these researchers. And these researchers put a group of monkeys, like four monkeys in this enclosure. And in the middle of the enclosure, in the middle of this little room, they had a pole that went up the middle, up to the ceiling and up to the top of the pole, there there were some bananas. And the first monkey climbed up the pole. And just when the monkey started reaching for a banana, they sprayed this like cold water on the monkey. And the monkey went screeching down the pole and ran away. And each time one of the monkeys would try and climb up the pole to reach for a banana, they would would shoot this spray of cold water on the monkey. So none of the monkeys wanted to climb up to the top. And then as a part of their experiment they replaced one of the monkeys with a new monkey that had never been sprayed down with cold water. And when that monkey tried to climb up the pole, you know what the other monkeys did? They grabbed that monkey and pulled him down. And then over time, they would replace another monkey. So next, there were two monkeys in there that had never been sprayed with water. And each time the new monkey would get in the enclosure, that monkey would try and climb to the top to grab a banana and the other monkeys would pull him down. And they continued the experiment until all of the monkeys had been replaced. None of the monkeys had been sprayed down with the cold water, yet none of the monkeys would climb up to the top to try and get food they wouldn't eat because they have been manipulated and worn down and they didn't even know why they were afraid to go to the top. They just wouldn't. And that's how manipulators Wear us down over time. And that's what Delilah did to Samson. Delilah made a monkey out of Samson. And at this point in the story, not only was his hair cut, his strength was gone. He was humiliated. He was on the grind like a beast of burden, grinding out grain. He was a slave to the enemy. And if only Samson had known number four, And it's simply this, the greatest gift to discern manipulation is the Holy Spirit. If you believed in Jesus, I don't assume that everyone here has already believed in Jesus, but when you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you. And here's the way that a lot of us would describe it, is that the Holy Spirit gives you what's called a check in your spirit when you're being manipulated or when something's not quite right. The way some of us would describe it is we would say, I just don't have a peace about this person or I don't have a peace about this situation. And you know how the Holy Spirit speaks to us or you know how we can stay attuned in to the Holy Spirit speaking to us about manipulators in our lives is we don't grieve the Spirit, but we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I read this book some years ago called Sensitivity of the Spirit. It was written by a man named R.T. Kendall, former pastor of Westminster Chapel. And he describes the Holy Spirit like a dove, like a turtle dove. Now, some people have what he calls pigeon religion. Now, pigeons are comfortable and happy around noise and traffic and people of the big cities and a lot of commotion. But the turtle dove is more sensitive. The turtle dove, when, when there's a loud noise, that dove will fly away. And that's much like the Holy Spirit in that when we're uh, living our lives and we're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, we root out bitterness and anger and slander and strife and these things out of our lives. The Holy Spirit, the turtle dove, is comfortable to stay nested in our lives. But here's what R.T. Kendall said about the Samson story when he's commentating on Samson. He said, Samson got so hardened and he was no longer sensitive to the spirit. And remember the chart I showed you earlier? It's like eight, he didn't just break three vows, he broke them eight times, right? And God was gracious during that time, wasn't he? And Samson got so accustomed to breaking the vows that were made for him uh, to God, that finally, when he had his hair cut, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, God left him. The dove had flown and he didn't even know it. Look at the next passage I want to show you. It's so Judges chapter 16 verse 20 and it's so sad but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He thought he would just wake up and fight off the Philistines like he had done many, many times before. And it was so sad. He didn't even know that the Lord had left him, the dove had flown. And look, if you're being manipulated into sin right now, in Samson's life, it took him further away from God than what he even wanted to go. And I believe this text is a warning to those of us who are believers. And I can think of times in my life when, you know, have you ever seen how close you can get to the line? and i've ever struggled with a sin and strayed from god and there have been times in my life where i've sensed god gently speaking to me in my thoughts saying son don't take a step further away from me and i heeded those warnings and this could be a word from someone for someone today daughter son i love you but do not take another step away from me because if you do, the dove may fly and it'll take you to a place you do not want to be. And another thing I wanna show you today is number five and it's this, you gotta discern the demon behind Delilah. The demon behind Delilah because manipulators are not our enemies, but there is a spirit behind them oftentimes that motivates them and animates them towards deceiving the people of God. Who was the demon behind Delilah? Well, let me show you in Judges chapter 16, verse 24. Now, the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God. So the Philistines worshiped this false little g god known as Dagon. Now, scholars would tell us that Dagon was supposedly the father of Baal or Baal, as some people pronounce it. And Baal is mentioned throughout the Bible as a false god. And I can tell you these spirits like Dagon and Baal, they hunt you. They hunt you to try and destroy you and manipulate you. And in the story that we're reading today, uh, Dagon was influencing and manipulating Delilah to get Delilah to manipulate and destroy Samson. Years ago, I saw this story about how these Eskimo hunters hunt wolves. And basically what they do is they'll take a knife and they'll sharpen the knife blade. And then they dip the knife in blood and then they freeze it. They make like a blood popsicle on the blade of the knife. And then they take the knife And they bury it in the ground with the blade side up. And the noses of those wolves are so sensitive to blood that they'll sniff it and they'll smell it and they'll come up to the knife and then they start to lick the blade of blood. And then they get into bloodlust, a frenzy, and they keep licking that blade and licking it. And then they get to a point where they don't even know that the blood that's coming from their mouth is their own. And the wolf hunters will follow little trickles of blood through the snow and they'll find the wolf laying there bleeding out, having been manipulated by its own bloodlust, And that's precisely what happened in the story of Samson and Delilah is that Dagon hunted Samson knowing what pushed his buttons, knowing just how to manipulate him. And there is a Dagon that is trying to destroy your life as well. And that's where we need to take a time out just for a minute and proclaim in the air, into our minds and into our hearts, that when you're in Christ dagon has no power to manipulate you unless you allow it you follow me whatever happened to old dagon we find the answer to what happened to dagon this false idol this false god in first samuel chapter 5 verse 2 it seems that the philistines had stolen the ark of god You know, the Ark of the Covenant, maybe you've seen it on the Indiana Jones movies, and here's what the text says. It says, they carried the Ark of God to the temple of who? Dagon. And they placed it beside an idol of Dagon. (laughs) Verse three, but when the citizens of Ashdod, or in other words, the Philistines, went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. And so they took Dagon and put him in his place. Again, but look at verse four. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and his hands were broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. See, in Christ, by the power of God, when we walk with him, we don't have to live under the manipulation of Dagon. He face plants before Jesus, like the scriptures tell us in the New Testament under the new covenant at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And here's something I know about some of you is that the spirit of Dagon has convinced some of you because of past sins and struggles. Dagon is trying to manipulate you and tell you through this story. Well, you know, You had a bad hair day and God's left you. And here's what I want to proclaim to you today. And someone came here just to hear this message. God has not left you. Under the new covenant, Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. See, we can encounter uh, the consequences of our sins and struggles of a bad hair day, But Jesus never leaves us. And some of you are in the grind right now because of the consequences of your own sin and struggles and issues. Ask me how I know. (laughs) Well, that, that leads us to number six, the grind makes you grow. The grind makes you grow. Look at the second half of verse 21 of chapter 16 of Judges. They took him, Samson, to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and made to do what grind grain in the prison i've told you many many times here about 23 years ago when i had one of my bad hair days because of the the, the lust in my life and i lost because of it i was deceived and manipulated into sin that i committed and it caused me to lose my ministry at the time. I was this close to losing my marriage because of it. And I ended up in a corporate cubicle world doing the grind every day. But you grow from the grind. The grind makes you grow. And look at what happened to Samson in the very next verse. He was starting to grow from the grind. It's Judges 16, 22, but before long, his hair began to what? Grow back. See, hair takes time to grow, doesn't it? You ever thought, I'll just grow out my hair. And you try and wear a hat because you're going through the awkward growing out phase, but hair doesn't grow overnight, does it? It takes time. That's why you wanna think long and hard before you cut it short if you've grown it out long. And that's very much like our spiritual growth growing spiritually is a process, not a one-time event, isn't it? Certainly God can change us in an instant, in a moment, and he's done that a lot of times. But most of the time, growing spiritually is a process, not a one-time event. It's like day by day, step by step, moment by moment. I get up every day, and I've got to discipline myself to get into the scriptures and read God's word and pray to him. And I don't always feel like Doing that, But you know a lot of people that come to church services and they want to go to an emotional church service and they want to sage on the stage to smack them on the forehead and jolt them full of lightning and make them change instantly and immediately. But those of us that walk with God for a long time, we know that most of the time we've changed because of the grind. We grind it out over time and the hair starts to grow back. That's why we provide tribes here. And I wanna encourage all of you at some point this fall to get into lead or be a part of a tribe because community is what helps us see the manipulation and self-deception of the enemy. But Samson, if we go back to the story, he's at the grind, he starts to grow And he's at a place now where he's ready to lay down his life for God's purpose for his life. He got to this point where he discovered his purpose and he knew what God had made him to do. And that's where we're gonna see number seven, grace from the grind. Grace from the grind, Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, look at this sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. And then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple and pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more Philistines, more people when he died than he had during his entire life. And I've heard some people say that Samson's last act, you know, when he pushed down the pillars. I've heard some people say that last act was a tragedy because he lost his life, but I don't think so. I don't think it's a tragedy anymore. The Alamo was, because see, the Alamo was a battle that was won, lost, but it made room for the war to be won. And that's what happened with Samson is that The purposes of God in his life, like we've already seen from this text, where that he would disrupt the Philistines. And he did just that by taking out 3,000 of these violent Philistine people in one last act. And some would say that Samson is a Christ figure. Of course, Jesus didn't have all the imperfections and quirks of Samson, no doubt. But Jesus did like Samson's stretch out his arms when he died on the cross for you and I. And he allowed himself to have a bad hair day. They would pull the hair of his beard as he was being crucified, dying for my sins and for yours, see. And he died there so that you and I don't have to have the ultimate bad hair day. Do you know what the ultimate bad hair day is? It's the last day that a person rejects Christ. It's the time that a person rejects Jesus for the very last time, and it plunges that person into an eternity after they die, separated from God. But what you have to know today is that God's heart is love for you. Jesus doesn't want anyone to have an ultimate kind of bad hair day. In fact, the scriptures tell us that he loves you so much that he has the very hairs of your head numbered, doesn't he? And he brought someone here today so that you could be adopted as his daughter or his son because he loves you so much. So with that in mind, what do you say we bow for prayer And if you would like to begin love relationship with God through Jesus now, just say something like this to him in your own heart and mind. Just say something like, God, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And you rose again from the dead to give me new life. Welcome into my life. And as we continue in prayer, I want to continually speak out today that Dagon and those spirits of manipulation have no authority in this church. You may not continue to manipulate people, to divide people, to destroy this church or destroy our lives. So I pray in Jesus' name, may the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke all spirits of manipulation here. And as we continue in prayer, I can't help but think that someone is in the grind right now and you feel like God has left you, whether or not he has. And you feel like your life is just going around in circles. If that's how you feel right now, would you just look up at me real quick? You feel like you're in the grind right now and that you feel like God has left you, even though Perhaps he hadn't, yeah. Well, I want you to pray something similar to what Samson prayed. Just say something like this, between you and God, sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. Holy Spirit, would you fill those that have just prayed that Holy Spirit, dove of God, would you fly back and light on their shoulder, in their hearts, and make this a place where you feel so at home, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our church. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen. I hope that was helpful for you and encouraging for you. Um, And next week, we're going to continue exploring this idea of having a bad hair day and avoiding manipulation when we study the Old Testament story of Absalom. Uh, These are two of the guys in the Old Testament, Samson and Absalom, both had this long flowing hair. And we're going to learn about how to avoid manipulation in the story of Absalom next Sunday. As Pastor uh, Pedro mentioned earlier, um, one of the ways that we worship is through our financial stewardship and giving. And how many of you know that pastors can be manipulators when it comes to money sometimes? That's why we're just very straightforward about it here. And we just say, hey, if you don't believe in this type of stuff, men, this service is our gift to you. We don't serve anyone different according to how much money they give at the church. And we just say to those that follow Jesus, hey, start with a tithe or a tent, um, like the ancient principle in the scriptures teaches to do. And if you don't like this church, do it at another church, Um, but just tithe so that you can experience the peace of God on your finances, Pedro told you the four ways to pull that off since we don't pass buckets or plates, whether it's online, by mail, texting, or uh, at the giving stations. Man, may the Lord bless you um, for your generosity today. So why don't you stand up together, and I wrote you guys a little benediction poem today that I hope will be true of you as you leave here, Um, and the poem is entitled, Bad Hair Day. In the mirror I gaze, my hair astray, A bad hair day got me feeling dismayed, but it's more than that, it's a metaphor for the manipulation in this world I explore. They try and shape me, twist my soul. Nope, I'm under God's control. From the mane of my head to the thoughts in my mind, I break free from the chains that bind. They say, play the game, conform, but I refuse. I'm getting transformed. I see through their lies like a sharp-edged blade. Manipulation's a game, but I won't be played. My hair may be wild, but it's my crown. The enemy won't bring me down. I'll rise above like a phoenix in flight with every strand, I'll reclaim my might. No more manipulation, I'm breaking free. This hair's a statement of authenticity. My hair's growing and I'm finding grace from the grind. Move on, Dagon, only Jesus controls my mind. So walk from here with a mind freed by Jesus. You guys have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.